Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a special message from a guest speaker, Pastor Jeremy Wolfram. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I told Pastor Harrison my sister might not be interested because, you know, I was like, well, maybe I want her to come work for me. But uh, that didn't work out. And uh, it worked out well for you guys. And... Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, like Pastor Harrison said, uh, my wife Brandy wished she could be here today. Uh, she had surgery earlier this week, so I told her, uh, I think it's okay if you sleep in uh, on Saturday and miss church. And my kids partied too hard at youth, and they were all like, I'm like, you want to come with me to Auntie Amy's church, and I'm going to preach? They're like, no. We've heard you preach, and uh, <laughs> and they're like, they were barely moving when I left the house this morning, and uh uh, so yeah, my kids are uh, 14, 12, and 10 right now. They all have birthdays by the end of the year. And uh, so I have a 14-year-old daughter. Uh, praise God for that. And uh, I was a youth pastor for like 15 years. And uh, all the things you encourage parents with and you help them with, you can be an expert in things. But when it's your own kids, it's just different. They, they just treat you different. They don't, they don't care how much you know and what advice you have and all that stuff. And so... We're all loving Jesus one step at a time and, and uh, just moving forward. So, uh, you know, blessed to have a great family and uh, that they're sleeping in while uh, I'm here. And uh, But guess what? We're going to get something from God today. So uh, turn in your Bible to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. And uh, I was kind of praying about what should I, I preach today for Kingdom Church, and uh, I actually have a, a, brand, a message written for tomorrow for Glory Hills on joy, and it's a good thing I'm not preaching that because uh, Thursday and Friday this week, I've probably been the most agitated, angry I've been in years, um, and I don't know what it is, and then I said to my wife, I'm driving the car, I'm like, oh, I know what it is, I'm preaching on joy on Sunday, and that's why everything is like just feeling rough and ridiculous right now. Uh, but I got a message for you out of Nehemiah because I believe that uh, what God is calling you to as a people, as a church, is going to require you to pick up some of the tools I hope to hand you from the Word of God today um, because God is taking you somewhere. And the title of my message is this. The title of my message is Almost Isn't Done. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Almost Isn't Done. See, I'm pretty cynical uh, as a person sometimes, and I'm like sometimes the worst father in the world because my kids will be like, Dad, like, did you see that? I almost made that basketball trick shot. And I'm like, son, almost doesn't count. Tell me when you do it. And my wife's like, you could be more gracious and nice, and that's why God gave her to me. But, you know, in life, what we, we realize at times is that uh, you know, there is merit in trying your best. There is a grace that carries us when we can't do it on our own. So don't, don't hear me wrong on that. But there is a pressure that comes sometime from the enemy that will tell you almost is good enough. But in the kingdom of God, God wants to finish what he starts and he wants to take you to where he's calling you. So I would say this today, if we're going to go where God's calling us, almost isn't done. And so in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 9, uh, we're going to read about uh, Nehemiah in this passage. But if you don't know the history of this book, I'll give you a little brief theological overview um, of Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra and Nehemiah were uh, coinciding on timelines, same with Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets. And uh, you really have three main characters. You have Zerubbabel, 
you have Ezra and you have Nehemiah. And, and they were all a part of coming back from the Babylonian captivity to reinstate and rebuild uh, some things that God wanted them to rebuild in the land of Israel. And so as they leave Babylon, as they go back home, things were in ruins. Things were in shambles. Life wasn't what it used to be. And Zerubbabel goes back first. And what Zerubbabel does is his job is to build the temple. And uh, what I want you to know, and just the, the big picture here is God's order is altars, foundations, temples, walls, and gates. Now, that's a whole big thing, and, and we did a whole series on this stuff, but uh, when Zerubbabel gets back, and this is for free, this is even part of my message, it's just that when Zerubbabel gets back, and when the people start seeing their life in ruins, it's not what it was, kind of feels like the season we're all coming out of, the first thing he does is he gathers the pieces and he builds an altar. One of the best things you can do in life when it's not what you thought it would be, what you expect it would be, is gather what is left, gather what remains and say, God, here's my heart, here's the pieces, I'm going to start by building an altar. And after he builds an altar, they start laying the foundation. And if we don't get back as the church, as the people of God, to the foundations of the word, the foundations of truth, the foundations of where we should be right now in life, the church has done a whole lot of things over the years. And this last season has kind of shaken that all up and been like, do you really have a solid foundation to stand on to move forward? And so we go back to the foundations of what, of what God wants, and then the temple is built, and there was trials, and there was testings, and there was delays, and there was stallings throughout this whole time. Uh, and then uh, Ezra goes back, they finish the temple, they start building the wall, Nehemiah goes, he starts building the wall, and we come to Nehemiah chapter 6, and the wall is almost completed, but the gates aren't hung, and they're almost there, and yet, at this point, the enemy still isn't letting up. And that's where we start our scripture. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. And though we had not set up the doors and the gates, so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? And four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me that it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building a wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you've appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. And you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I just suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. And they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Turn to your neighbor and say, almost isn't done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's powerful, it's living, it's active, it speaks to our hearts. And God, I pray today that as I speak and as I share, that your word would come by your Holy Spirit and solidify in every person's heart and in their mind and in their life what you are calling them to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. 
Now, I kind of have this uh, love-hate-hate relationship with Ikea furniture um, because it, it never seems to be done. I don't understand how when you go to build something from Ikea that a guy that looks like a blob that has some arms coming out from him is supposed to show you in the instructions. Like, there's not even writing in the instructions, right? You just got this, like, little blob guy that's pointing to random items that don't even look like the things they put in the box, and they tell you to put this thing together. And the worst part is, is with Ikea furniture, you put one piece upside down, you might not know till the end, and then you gotta go back and you gotta redo it. And so you think you're almost done, but almost isn't done when it comes to a piece of Ikea furniture. <clears throat> when you're redecorating, almost is never done. Uh, my wife and I have renovated six houses in the 18 years that we've been married. And we're still married, praise God. And we, we've been in our current house uh, two years now, and I keep saying we're almost done, and my wife will be like, but we're not done. She's like, you're not done. But I'm like, hun, this house is twice the size of any other one and, that we've done, and like, just give me a break. I need a little bit more time. Uh, but there's always like some unfinished project. I'm the king of like in our house. I won't do it outside of our house, but in our house, I get about 80% of the way, and then I'll tear something else out. So she's at the point, she's like, we have two bathrooms left to finish, and I have to paint the kitchen cabinets and reface the fireplace. But the cabinets are half off, and the fireplace is torn apart. And I'm like, Brent, I want to start the bathroom. She's like, don't you dare tear one more thing apart in my house till you put something else back together. Because I'm like, yeah, but we're almost done. She's like, yeah, but almost isn't done. And, and there's something in our nature, there's something that comes in life when we're almost there, when we feel like we've lost wind, when we've lost energy, uh, when we've lost strength to stop short of the goal, and we think, well, this is good enough for now. I, I can live with this. And, and it's kind of a part of our human nature. And there's this pre pressure when it comes to being almost there that whether it's talking about the call of God in your life, whether it's talking about a relationship that you're working on, whether it's talking about something you need to rebuild in your character, you get almost there. You get 80 percent of the way you get 90 percent of the way and you're like well I guess this is good enough and I you know I'm, I'm just not going to fight that battle anymore I don't want to deal with those areas in my life and, and and we start telling ourselves this lie that well almost is good enough and and when it's been long when we're tired when there's still work to be done uh, this idea starts to creep in and the enemy will play on that idea he'll play on those emotions he'll push on those buttons because the enemy wants nothing more if he can't keep you from knowing Jesus and being in the kingdom of God and having a relationship with Jesus, he will try to stop you from doing the things you're called to effectively do for Jesus because it, it hinders other people's progress, not just our own. And so this happens in our personal lives, this happens in our relationships, and it happens when it comes to building the house. <clears throat> and something that I think we, we forget at times is that, <clears throat> excuse me, we forget that in building our personal relationships with Jesus, we're like, wow, I, I love Jesus. I just, I just love Jesus, and I love what he's doing in me. I love what he's building in me. And, and we get so focused on building that relationship with Jesus, very important, but we actually forget that we're supposed to build a house. Because when I look at Revelation, and when I see Jesus returning for a bride, he's returning for a church, not a person. 
God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. You're very special. He cares very much and very deeply about you. But he is coming back for a church. And we were meant to do life together in community and to build his house. And when we are building the house of God, the reason we do that is because he sets us in. He fits us in. And when we do that, we find the pieces that we don't have in of ourselves. And so we can be completed, strengthened, and built on a solid foundation. And as we are building the house of God, the enemy would love to come in and try and tell us, that well you don't need them you don't need this you don't need to go all the way in your commitment to what God is doing I'm a firm believer that the house of God the reason we talk about gates and walls is because it's a coming and going atmosphere we can't be so much about here that all we do is we gather and we never scatter and we never go and we never reach people for Jesus I refuse to be that type of church but the other part is is that if we never have a refuge or a place for people to come and to be safe and to feel the love of God and the grace of God and be built up in their faith and raise their kids in the ways of God. We got nothing when we go out into the world. And it's this back and forth thing. And so today I want you to know a few things before I give you some tools to work with. But the first thing I want you to know today is this, is the the enemy would love for you, the enemy would love for us to stop when we're almost there. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, The enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the walls, that no gaps remained, though we had not yet, say not yet, not yet, not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sanballat and Geshep send a message to me to meet them in one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but I realized that they were plotting to harm me. They were almost there. They had, they had built the walls. They had finished closing it in. But the doors and the gates had not been set in place. They were almost there. And the enemy comes and says, why don't you come talk with us? Why don't you come get distracted for a little bit? And whether we're talking about the church uh, in its natural or spiritual state, uh, when we get almost to the place of, of wholeness and fullness, that there will be temptations to say, I don't need that theology. I don't need that piece of the foundations of my life. I don't need uh, other people. I don't need certain things. And, and, and we'll, we'll get almost there in our discipleship, in our growth, in our walk with God. And the enemy will start trying to distract us and pull us away from what God has and what God wants for us when it's uh, in the relationship you're working on. Maybe you've been in a, in, a, in a tough relationship. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with your spouse. And you've been working and working and working. And you, you feel like you've made progress, but you're not quite there. The enemy just wants to come and whisper and say, like, you know what? This isn't worth it. This isn't going to work. It's just going to take so much longer. And, and where God has been working something in those relationships, the enemy would love you to, to believe that almost is good enough. And this is as far as I'm going to get towards reconciliation or peace or whatever you're dealing with. That commitment that you've almost completed, but you're just tired, you're broken, you're worn out, there's going to be a contention that comes to get you to stop short and to distract and discourage the fulfillment of what God is calling you to. The enemy would love for you to stop short. Second thing I want you to know is this, is the enemy is persistent. The enemy is persistent. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 4 says, Four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave the same reply. But then the fifth time, he comes again. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hands. 
So the enemy keeps coming and coming and coming, and he keeps trying to distract. He keeps trying to discourage. He keeps trying to break you down. He knows those insecurities. He knows those things. He knows the, the, the struggle that you're facing because you've voiced it. You've felt it, and, and he keeps pushing on those things. Can I tell you, sometimes the enemy doesn't even have to be a devil or an outside force. Sometimes it's our own selves. Sometimes we're our own greatest enemy that keep coming at ourselves like this isn't going to work. I'm not going to make it. And persistently they keep coming and coming. And it's like my kids in the vehicle and all I hear is mom, 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 mom. And one of them can't finish talking to her before the other one started with the sentence mom. By the way, and guess what? When I drive the vehicle and she's not in it, silence. <laughs> I can drive all the way to school and not one of them asked me one question some mornings. I don't know if that means I'm a bad father or just, like, like my 10-year-old will come to me, I'm like, he's like, where's mom? I'm like, I don't know, she's doing something, what do you need? Ah, never mind, it can wait. <laughs> like, literally, that's what he'll say to me. I'm like, no, I can help you. No, dad, you can't. I want to talk to mom about it. But like this persistency and, 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 and this, this nagging and this continual voice keeps coming. And this is what the enemy does. He's going to keep coming and coming again, not once, not twice, not three times, but five times to keep pressing you, to keep distracting you, to keep discouraging you. You know, we need a grace of God in these seasons because when the enemy keeps coming, when the voices keep coming, when the emotions keep coming, can I tell you that your feelings are not God, that we make choices that lead and feelings should follow, not the other way around. And when we follow our feelings, the voices, the, the stirring up, all those things, the persistency of it, the enemy does not want to let up. They're like, this is an encouraging message. The enemy's just going to batter me and come at me my whole life. Well, he'd love for you to stop short. He, he, he's going to keep being persistent. And then this is the other thing that the enemy did. Third thing I want you to know today is the enemy would love to accuse you with reports and rumors. So like the first few times it's about distraction, it's about discouragement. All throughout Ezra and Nehemiah when they're building, it's all about, you know, intimidation, it's fear, it's all these other things. But this, this time was different. This time it changed. It wasn't distraction, discouragement. It wasn't you can't do it. It wasn't how dare you. It was it was rumors and accusations. And the rumors and accusations that came to Nehemiah was, oh, this is all about you. You're making this all about you. The enemy comes to churches and says, oh, you just want to make it all about you. Kingdom Church, don't you ever try something great for God because the world will just tell you it's all about you. You're not doing that for God. You're doing it because it's about us. It's about what we want. It's about how we'll look. And these are the rumors that start coming. Nehemiah 6, verse 6 to 7, it says, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And he goes this, and Geshem tells me it's true. Oh, Geshem. What Geshem said. And Nehemiah's like, I don't care what Geshem said. But it's like, oh, there's these rumors, and here's this letter, and this is what you're trying to do. And we heard 
and, and so-and-so said, and, and when Geshem said it's true, and oh my goodness, you just wanna do that because it makes you look good, or you just wanna go there because it makes you feel nice. You're not really about the purpose of God or the call of God. You're all about setting yourself up to look holy and great and so amazing. This isn't about other people. This isn't about lost people. This isn't about building a city of God that is bringing people into the love, the grace, the security, the life that Jesus has from. No, no, this is about you having a bigger stage. This is about you having nicer uh, lights. This is about you having all of this stuff. No, 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 no. Because the, the world and the rumors and the voices will always talk. So they said, there's a rumor among the nations, and Geshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and this is why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. Oh, you just want to exalt yourself. He also reports that you've been appointing prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You know, and rumors are a crazy thing because rumors don't take very much to get off the ground. We have a world that is fascinated with rumors and hearsay and talk. We don't need tabloids anymore. We got Instagram. We got Facebook. We got any place we can say anything we want about someone and it just kind of goes and then you say, oh, well, I was just kind of kidding or maybe that's what I thought and and, and, but other people pick it up and they, they believe it and they carry it and, and it's damaging. One thing I realized about COVID was um, where people used to have uh, uh, some filter being in person and being with you, like they don't care anymore. Like everybody has lost all social cues and ability to be gracious, even in churches. Like people walk right up to you and say something like they're writing a Facebook post and I'm like, you just said that to me, like right to my face? Like, I mean, good for you that at least you said it, but I'm going to correct this right here and right now and deal with it. But like, we, we've, like, like, let's be honest, go about your week next week and watch people talk to you like they were spreading a Facebook rumor or some Instagram story. Like, like that's how people are talking to each other now. We've lost all ability to take in opinions, how people feel with grace and dignity and to not have to always agree with everyone. We just have to, we just have to shove out every opinion, every belief and slam it in someone's face. And when people come at you like that, it's like, so are we gonna have an argument or one of us is gonna bow out real quickly because I don't wanna deal with this right now. And, and, and these rumors keep going and, and this is what was happening to Nehemiah and the enemy was trying to accuse them with reports and rumors. He said, Geshem keeps telling me, everywhere he goes, he hears. Like that's a pretty broad statement. Like always, all the time, everywhere. Oh, it's everywhere. No, you read one thing and someone was misguided or you heard from one person. and No, no, that's what they're saying everywhere. And when you get caught in that mindset, you get caught in that thing, the enemy would love you to be captivated by, by thinking you're so important that everyone's talking about you all the time. Because it, it debilitates us. It immobilizes us. And, and, and I believe for your church that... The day is coming where God is moving and, and, and things are opening up and, and you've seen so much good over the last season, even through all the tough stuff. 
that there is growth, there's, there's momentum, there, there's forward movement. And, and as you make your way into that, there is going to be rumors and voices of the enemy. And, and, and there might even be some from well-meaning people that are going to say, well, why do you need to do that? Because that's just about you. And it's not. It's about the call of God and where he wants to lead you and what he wants to take you into. But the enemy would love to distract you, discourage you, be persistent, push on the church, push on your heart. Some of you got to call a God to start serving, to start doing. And, and, and you're believing rumors about yourself or what people have said before. And God has freed you from that. And, and he is releasing you into things. And you need to choose to move forward because people are always going to talk. And unfortunately, this is the world we live in, and this is the type and day and age that we face as the church, as individuals, that there is pressure. There are voices. There are discouragements. There are things that come. When they were rebuilding the foundation, the work stopped for something like 17, 18 years because they got discouraged and they just stopped working. Thank God he stirred some people's hearts again to pick up the work. But we don't want to be that way. We want to be those that realize that almost isn't done. We're almost there, but not quite yet. And, and the reality is, is that I don't think in the kingdom of God we will ever be fully processed on this side of eternity. So the commitment in our heart needs to be that God, one step at a time, wherever you lead me, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm committed in to following you, to becoming who you've called me to be, so I can keep moving forward and you can be faithful to finish the work in me that you've started, that you would be faithful to finish the work that you started through Kingdom Church. And whatever people say and whatever comes at us, we're going to keep pursuing what God calls us to. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to carry that, I think I want to equip us with three responses today on how to battle the enemy and ourselves. Because like I said, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I know this about myself. I am my own worst enemy. I actually went through a season in my life where I had to stop opening emails after 9 p.m. because the way I would turn things in my heart, in my mind, couldn't sleep. My wife always wants to watch these documentaries or serious movies. I'm like, I cannot watch anything about theology or serious before bed because I will not sleep. Because I am my own worst enemy. So like, you have to learn to mitigate those things in your own life in different seasons and different places and spaces. But, but the first thing that I believe we can do when we realize this is how we're called to live, this is how we're called to walk out, the first thing that we can do is we can declare the work we're called to is a great work. Come on, some of you need to declare that the kingdom of God, the work of God, the call of God on your life is a great call. Because other people have told you that and you haven't believed it yourself. You need to declare that you're called to a great work. Nehemiah 6, verse 3, he says this, when the messengers came, come be distracted, come aside with us, come get caught up in all this other stuff. This is what Nehemiah said. He says, I sent a message to them saying, I am doing a great work so I cannot come down. Come on, I don't have time for this. I am doing the thing that God has called me to do. I am doing a great work. There are gonna be things that people ask your church to do and the leadership is gonna say, that is not for us. God has called us to do this work and there will be things that come that would try to distract and pull away from the mission and direction and you need to believe that this is a great work. This is what God's called us to do and so we're gonna go forward with it. Some of you think that 
well, what I do is insignificant. No, I don't care if you clean up after a church. I don't care if you spend time with, well, I do care, but like if you spend time with the kids, you serve with young people, you go serve in your community, come on, whatever God has called you to do and you can do, it is a great work. Leading people to know the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus. But some of us need to start declaring it ourselves. We need to believe it again, that the thing that God has called us to is a great work. And we need to not despise where we have to start from. That was the thing that I was wrestling with going through COVID. I, like, I, I'm a little more traditional, old school at heart, especially when it comes to church. And like, you hear these things, well, church will never be the same. The world will never be the same. I'm like, well, the gospel's not changing. And, and I'm like one of those guys, I'm like, I don't know. Like online forever. There is something about being with people. God bless you if you're watching online. I love you. Hope to see you in the room sometime because there is something that God wants to do when he connects you to others. And we can change methods and we can change all these things. But sometimes where we have to start from is less than ideal. You ever been there where like God calls you to do something or you know you have to do something and your starting point is anything but ideal? And we can get caught in despising the starting point or we can get up and get moving and start from where we're at. Zechariah prophesied about this. He says, don't despise the small beginnings. And listen, he says, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. And for the longest time, I was like, I knew this verse, and I'm like, what was the purpose of Zerubbabel? And then when I preached on building an altar, I was like, wait a minute. Why God said don't despise the small beginnings wasn't just because they didn't st- could, had to start over. It was because when they got back, their life was in shambles. It was in pieces. It was a mess. And I said, guys, it was like the prophet saying, God is excited to see you start putting the pieces back together, to put them back in front of him in his hand because he wants to see the work move forward. So number one, we declare that the work we're called to is a great work. Number two, if we are going to fight the enemy, if we are going to fight ourselves and keep moving forward with what God's called us to do, number two, you need to quit stopping to always talk things over with the enemy. Like, just stop it. Like, some of us are so bad for this. The voices come, the distraction, and we're like, oh, we have like a little pity party with all of our problems or, you know, we, we decide like, well, I'm going to stop what I'm doing because I need a few days to, to really talk this over with how, how my feelings are telling me I should feel or, or what someone else says about this. And, 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 and sometimes, sometimes we need to just stop stopping and spending time with the enemy. That means sometimes with ourselves and keep doing what God's called us to do. And this is what Nehemiah said. He says, I replied, sending this message. I'm doing a great work. And he said this, why should I stop and come and visit with you? And I think sometimes when the the voices come, when the enemy comes, when the pressure comes, we need to just like stop and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm trying to do what God's called me to do. I'm trying to raise a godly family. I'm trying to live a godly life. I'm trying to do a, a good job at my place of employment. And, and the enemy starts saying, well, you'll never be appreciated or this won't happen or, or you'll never get to where God wants you. Like, you just be like, whoa, I don't have time to talk with you right now. But, but we're so famous for pulling over and, and grabbing a Starbucks and sitting with the enemy and sitting with ourselves and and we talk over all the what ifs and how come and why not and all of this stuff and and God's called us to do something. 
Now, I'm not trying to say that your feelings are not important, that your emotions are not important. Don't, 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 don't hear that wrong. Because <clears throat> I think sometimes you need good, godly people beside you to help you process and move through those things. But there is a tipping point where all you're doing is going over and over and over again in circles and you're letting those emotions and you're letting other things rule you and they actually have caused you to be stuck when God hasn't said stop moving forward. God hasn't disqualified you. God hasn't stopped working. And so what we need to do is stop spending time talking things over with the enemy. We don't have time to get alone with the enemy, to get caught up in meaningless discussions with, which do nothing but distract and hinder us from the purpose and call of God in our lives. There are a lot of things facing the church right now that if we get caught in all the discussions, it is not going to push us forward to the things God's called us to do. They're distractions. They're, they're, they're things that are causing frustration and anger. And we have a mission to lead people to the grace and goodness of Jesus that tells us that we can uh, not believe the same things politically. We cannot believe, like we don't always believe the same things on all levels of the spectrum. But as the church in Jesus Christ, we are called to draw closer to him and lead people to a life-changing relationship with him. But if we get caught in all the side discussions and we stop and we get stuck in that, the enemy will hinder the mission of the church. And we just got to remember that if we're our own greatest enemy, maybe that's when we call a friend, maybe when we need someone beside us to say, hey, when you catch me doing this, when I, when I get in this place, can you just tell me, can you just remind me, hey, you're, you're getting caught again. You're getting in that cycle again. Don't, don't give the enemy that voice any longer. So number one, we declare the work we're called to is a great work. Number two, we need to quit stopping to always talk things over the enemy. And number three, we'll have Amy come back up on the keyboards and it will sound like heaven because <laughs> my last point is so spiritual. <clears throat> and when I tell you this, you're going to be like, this is amazing. I can't believe this pastor came up with this. Number three, let's see what it says. Pray. Don't you love that? Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with this. I'm really having a rough time. Help. Have you prayed? Like, that is the worst answer to get from your pastor. Like, you never want to hear a pastor, have you prayed? What do you think, I don't pray? No, no, I'm just, just asking, like, have you prayed? And, and I can joke about that, but the truth and the reality is that it always does and always will come back to prayer and your relationship and connection with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. All of these battles that you're facing, all of the emotions that you're feeling, all of the desires to quit prematurely, all of the frustrations that you have, all of the, the things that you're fighting in your own heart and your own mind, all the things that everyone around you might be saying will only ever truly be calmed and settled and help you move forward when you get to a quiet place with Jesus and you hear his voice louder than every other voice. We need to pray. So Nehemiah said this, this is they were trying to frighten us, thinking that their hands will drop from the work and it won't be done. I just believe that's the greatest tool of the enemy in our day and age right now. Man, if I could get the church so distracted 
so caught up in so many other things that, that their hands drop from the work that God's called them to do. I mean, I, I know they're, they're saved. I know they're going to heaven, but at least I'll stop them from bringing other people with them. But Nehemiah prayed this. He says, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. And the message says they were trying to intimidate us into quitting and they thought they'll give up. They'll never finish it. But Nehemiah says, I prayed, God, give me strength. It always will and always does come back to prayer. This is where we find strength to finish the work. This is why we, where we will find strength for the journey ahead. When Ezra was traveling back to Jerusalem with families from Babylon and there was threats and things weren't uh, very, <clears throat> they weren't very nice. They were afraid of getting uh, uh, raided. They were afraid of getting killed on the journey. And, and Ezra in Ezra chapter eight pulls aside and he says, Lord, protect us on the journey. Lord, guide us. Lord, guide our steps. This is the place when we pray, where we lay our struggles, our fears, our insecurities, our anxieties, even our sin, our shame, all the things that we carry at the presence, at the feet of Jesus, the threats of the enemy, because we can't do anything to change them. But guess what? God can cover them. God can do a work. God can be mighty to save in those moments. And if you go into 2 Kings, when Hezekiah faced a similar situation like this, he faced threats from the enemy, and this enemy nation was rolling through and they were taking out nation after nation after nation and Hezekiah gets this letter and and it says from the, this other king what makes you think that you're any better and that your God will help you so you know what Hezekiah did he walked straight into the temple went up to the altar and he spread the letter out before God and he said God look what they're saying look what they're doing God I can't change this on my own I need you to come I need you to move and sometimes in our lives that's simply what we need to do we need to get on our faces we need to get in the place where we say God here is all my fears here is all my anxieties here's the enemy's threats here's all the things that I don't believe about myself but you've called me to do this so God if I can't do it on my my own I'm gonna lay it at your feet and I'm gonna trust you to lead me forward prayer is the place that this happens it's the place where we continually invite the Holy Spirit in and say God I don't know how I'm gonna do it I don't know how the work's gonna get finished but I do know this almost isn't done and I don't want to stop short so I'm gonna follow you one step at a time wherever you lead can we stand this morning? I just, I just want to pray for one thing for a group of people, and then I want to hand it back to Pastor Harrison. I think our greatest key is in that third point, is that sometimes we can hear from a preacher, we can, we can hear something taught, but when we hear it straight from the Holy Spirit, it really resonates deep inside and it changes something. But I want to ask this morning, if you're here and you've really struggled to believe that what you know God has called you to do and the things you're doing in life, you, you, you really wrestle with the voices that say, it doesn't mean much why even bother anymore? Why even try? I believe that's the lies of the enemy and God wants you to learn how to declare again that you are called to do a great work for the kingdom of God. 
And I just want to agree with you that, that you are called to do a great work for the kingdom of God. And, and, and the second part of that would be, you know that you have a tendency to have those side conversations with the enemy, maybe with yourself or with those voices. And you say, no, no, I need to be free of that. I know today that I need to stop doing that. And I want the Holy Spirit to show me when the time is to say, no, no, I'm not having this discussion anymore. I'm gonna go back to what the word says, to what God's called me to do. If we just close our eyes, and if, if you're in one of those two areas, just you're really struggling to believe what you're called to do is gonna be meaningful or great, could you slip up your hand? Because I'd love to pray with you. And, and the other area is that you, you really wrestle with these side conversations and, and you feel really stuck. And I believe that God wants to set you free from that. I believe that he wants you to hear his voice. And that's you, just raise your hand as well, because I just want to pray for these individuals. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. God, we know that in ourselves, we, we can't do this on our own. <clears throat> God, we know that we've been adopted into your family, so by the grace of Jesus and, and, and the power of your Son, we have been equipped, we've been called sons and daughters, and so we have a job to do and we are called to reflect our Heavenly Father. We are called to carry the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and all the things that you're working in our lives to bring glory to your name. But God, I just pray today for those that have felt so attacked by the voices that say, no, 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 greatness is for someone else or, or what you do is mediocre or what you do isn't even worth doing. God, I pray that you would break off the lie of the enemy and they would hear the voice of their heavenly father that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would believe that everything they set their hand to do when they do it well and they do it under the name of Jesus, you are using that and you are calling that a great work because you have called us to live out our lives so that we might become the reflection of Jesus to the world around us. God, I pray for those that really wrestle. They wrestle with the voices. They wrestle with the side conversations. God, sometimes... I just, I just see it. I know I've been there where you just can't get out of your own head to even believe the things that other people see in you, what they say about you. And, and you try and tell them, but I can't and I won't and, and I'll never be. And, you got, and, and, you, and I just see some of this. You have like godly people like right close to you saying, no, 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 don't believe that about yourself. Don't take that in. I see this in you and I see that in you. God, I pray that beyond what other people have said, I pray those voices will still be there to encourage and to lead forward. But God, I pray that a word right now from your Holy Spirit would speak into these hearts and lives and tell them that they are enough. They are called by you. That you will guide them and walk with them with whatever they have to face. And God, when there is lack, you are the difference maker and they can lean on you. So Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you come and would you heal our hearts and would you lead us to continue God not almost there not part way there but God we want to be a people and we want to be a church that walks in wholeness and fullness till the day of Christ's return in Jesus name Amen Hey thank you so much for taking the time to listen we hope that message encouraged and inspired you if you want more information if you made a decision to follow Jesus head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time.